This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Manscaped. Now, for most normal people, this current week is just a week like any other. But for the tiny, statistically insignificant minority of the population who over the last two years has spent an obscene amount of money on a digital receipt for a JPEG image, this is NFT week, baby. Finally. And it's happening in our nation's cultural mecca. Yeah. Times Square, New York City, where, mm-hmm. you know, all of the great ideas in the worlds of art, culture, come from. We've got the, the big M&M store, Vegas in the world. It is the most capable, specific area for showing off digital artworks. That is true. Yeah. So Now, you may be wondering, with the ongoing crypto collapse, the plummeting floor prices across the NFT marketplace, the constant scams leaving NFT lovers with all their apes gone, and the fact that at this point, the NFT industry's efforts to gain popularity outside of its tiny bubble have pretty definitively failed... You know, the vibe at this year's NFT NYC and Ape Fest events, it's got to be a bit off compared to previous years, right? There's got to be a little bit of reflection on the current times, right? You would assume. Uh, But if we know anything about NFT enthusiasts at this point, it's that they're able to maintain a cult-like level of positivity in the face of utter disaster. NFT prices plummeting? Well, just buy the dip. All my apes gone? There's always more apes. Buy more apes. We're all going to make it. In fact, it's likely that anyone who is into NFTs in a more casual way has either lost faith in the whole thing and just cut their losses, learned their lesson and said, fine. Or at the very least, they're no longer enthusiastic enough about these NFTs to book a trip to New York City for an NFT festival in the middle of a work week. But why do you need a job when you can make all the money you want? I'm a trader. Uh, <laughs> floating the prices artificially I, of digital currency. I'm an art curator, Yeah, and I will not explain further. So, yeah, what we're looking at in New York are the truest of true believers. These are the NFT people equivalent of uh, the QAnons that went to Dallas in search of JFK. Yeah, a lot of ways that is... Uh... <laughs> There might even be some cross-pollination there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, So they're going down with the ship regardless, and we all get to just sit online and watch. Mm -hmm. They're hiding out in the jungles of Guam, and only Emperor Hirohito himself can get them to lay down their weapons. They're catching a ride on the comet straight to Heaven's Gate. They're seeing JFK in Dallas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's just check in on how things are going in the world of NFTs. Okay, well, that was pretty weird. Um, So I guess those interesting characters are part of some uh, NFT project called Goblin Town, which is currently selling for around $1,100 after peaking at nearly double that uh, just three weeks ago. Oh, you mean it's on sale? Yeah, that's right. But how about something a little more mainstream that even the normies out there can understand? Well, guess what? None other than Snoop Doggy Dog, the dog father himself, was in attendance mm-hmm. at NFT NYC, walking the floor and taking selfies with attendees. The state of our union is strong. Oh, well, at least Snoop Dogg's here. Yeah, except, uh, hold on a second there. Let's zoom in on that name tag. Dupe Snog. Mm. And yeah, now that you mention it, that is not Snoop Dogg's face. <laughs> Well, that's to say, is, is in person, you see a group of people uh, surrounding someone yeah. that slightly resembles Snoop Dogg, and you're like, that's got to be Snoop Dogg. Why yeah. else would anyone... But really, you look at him, that that's, doesn't look like Snoop Dogg oh. at all. That's just a black man in sunglasses. But now I've already waited in line for a picture for five minutes. Yeah. I should at least get a picture. 
So, okay, yeah, this tweet from NBC News' uh, Kevin Collier explains what's happening here. I'm at the NFT NYC conference again in Times Square, and Snoop walked by, flanked by security. I grabbed his handler, said I'm a reporter, would love a few minutes. The guy said, actually, that's an impersonator. Legally can't say it's him. They hired him to drum up excitement. Isn't everyone excited? He's a human NFT. No, it's not the actual Snoop Dogg. It's just a receipt saying that it's Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dogg is, with, he would love to be here. It's Snoop Dogg with different variations. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's a different yeah. ID number is yeah. the thing. Which is, you know, it just kind of makes you feel good about NFTs and the community. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if Snoop Dogg was there? Well, that's... Be- Think about uh, that. Wait till you see when we add the mutant serum. Remember how good you felt a minute ago when you thought Snoop Dogg was uh, taking a picture with you before you found out it was dupe snog? Yeah. Keep that feeling going. Yes. And buy more NFTs. We gave you that. (laughs) Uh, So one of the cooler things to happen at NFT NYC was this Westboro Baptist church-style protest outside featuring signs like God hates NFTs and crypto is a sin. But it actually turns out this was a, a stunt done to actually promote NFTs and make them seem cool. Damn. Which is lame. Um, I mean, I wouldn't buy an NFT of that says God hates NFTs, but uh, I'd definitely buy a shirt of it. Yeah. Um, it was design. unironically great. And I, I think the when they were asked about it, they were just like, yeah, you know, we all need to have a little bit of fun. And it's like, you did a successful job at mocking everything. Yeah. Uh, to the point where people who dislike you <laughs> cheered it on. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You see, we're actually promoting NFTs. Why are you booing? Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, meanwhile, here's something we haven't seen any further proof of, but it's definitely believable and definitely hilarious. Uh, A screenshot of a Discord post saying, be alert if you are at NFT NYC. Reports of scam billboards in NYC with QR codes leading to wallet drainer sites. There are wallet inspectors on every corner. Oh my God, you can't escape them. (laughs) Meanwhile, down at the southern tip of Manhattan, the Bored Ape Yacht Club held their own much more exclusive festival this week. Basically, an NFT NYC after party only accessible to owners of digital monkey JPEGs who have managed to avoid losing those apes. No, you don't understand. I had the apes, but now all my apes are gone. We found the guy Let that had in. Seth Green's ape. Listen, buddy. A lot, listen, buddy. A lot of guys' apes are gone. <laughs> and there's a lot of scammers in there who have all of your apes. Yes, they're just 15 feet yeah. away, and you are furious because you use the equity in your home to purchase that ape. But I'm not. I'm not allowed to let you in. Sorry, bud. So yeah, uh, Ape Fest is, I guess, basically a music festival. It's got some other stuff to it, but it's, it's mostly a music festival. And, and they really did. They booked some major acts for this. Yeah. Uh, LCD Sound System, Questlove, Heim, Lil Baby, The Roots, Future. Um, thing is, though, so each night's lineup was a secret up until each act took the stage, which mm. would be pretty cool if your audience is really, really into music. That's not this audience. The, the only thing these people are really, really into is board apes. So there is a ton of incredible footage of some of the biggest musical acts around playing in front of a crowd that is barely paying attention. So, sometimes even looking annoyed that they have to shout over this music happening over here. This happened, and con- I'm assuming will continue to happen forever, but I have is it, yeah. so much experience of going to like E3. Industry parties where, yeah. They're getting the biggest, like in, in this case, the biggest DJs on yeah, the planet. We paid $100,000 for this guy. And, and it's, a, like, uh. it's a bunch of people wearing polo shirts and yeah. slacks, standing in circles, drinking, and uh, very visibly yeah. annoyed by what is happening it's around a bunch them. of fucking lanyards. Yeah, so, yeah I don't know. I, I hope the, the cool pit- part is being there. That's what they want. Yeah, I mean, the music's just sort of, oh, that's cool. Hi, I'll have to look them up when I get home. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah, I hope the pay was good because this has got to feel at least a little bit debasing for these artists to be like just playing to a crowd that could not give less of a shit about them while they're, you know, on a slight break from a tour where people are losing their minds over finally getting to see them. Yeah, I think a lot of the more seasoned acts, like probably LCD Sound System, are just like, this is a fucking paycheck. But it's like, like I, I'm, I've seen LCD Sound System several times, like James Murphy not hurting for money at all. Like, he doesn't need this. The man was like, would, before he was even a musician, a little bit more. he like got in on the ground floor as like a businessman in the music industry, like mm-hmm. before he was even famous as a musician. Like, he, there's just no reason to do this, James. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, yeah, media coverage of the events has focused a lot on attendees' unshakable optimism about NFTs in spite of the current economic reality. But aside from hanging out with Discord friends IRL, what actually happens at NFT NYC? Well, here's some of Motherboard's on-the-ground reporting. It is hard not to feel happy for any artist who can make a living these days. Less sympathy goes to the crypto watch company that bills itself as the first smart wearable NFT and enlists a horde of presumably paid people to shout, Whose skin? Watch skins! In a pseudo-protest on the sidewalk while holding signs that plead with attendees to join our Discord. Whose skins? (laughs) Watch skins! Join our Discord! Yeah, the fake protest thing, that's uh... That seems to be a pattern here. Go ahead, but the the anti NFT one it does about the same job as uh, the Westboro people actually getting people to to like yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's the it's the opposite of good marketing. Yeah, and that's true. Nearby, a truck emblazoned with a board ape invites passerbys to take a cookie in exchange for scanning a barcode. When this motherboard reporter does as instructed, the cookie holder says she cannot turn over the cookie until I scroll to the bottom and click the Twitter icon, which takes me to the profile page of the Twitter user at TaylorWTF, owner of CryptoPunk9439. She then insists I have to follow the account for a cookie. Lame! You know where you can get a cookie? Donating to your local blood bank. Yeah. Why don't you do that instead? It's a a lot more heroic Mm -hmm. than anything having to do with this. Yes. Uh, It continues. Back inside the New York Marriott Marquis, startups hawk innovations that include turning any screen into an NFT display, (laughs) ignoring that, well, any screen is already an NFT display. We found another problem. We can invent a solution for You've got all these NFTs, but how do you look at them? (laughs) Introducing the NFT screen. This is like something that Tim and Eric would come up with as a commercial. Um, <laughs> continues. A members-only real estate investment club and a metaverse registration for people's real-life cats and dogs. Purchase records to authenticate human family, the accompanying brochure suggests. One play-to-earn game inspired by the fictional Frankenstein's monster highlights as proof of its legitimacy that it was in ownership of four entire crypto punks and a group of men and women donning Stripperville.io t-shirts. Tagline, where your stripper NFTs earn... Strip coin for you. <laughs> Waltz around the premises. One representative for a project even bills itself as the world's first pet insurance DAO, mm-hmm. <laughs> telling Motherboard that community members choose how to use the profits. Though, disappointingly, the insurance itself is not different from that on offer by the imperfect and decidedly unweb3 pre-existing competition. Now, you have to go in front of a panel of a c- a cryptocurrency evangelists to decide whether or not your dog gets life-saving surgery. <laughs> The panel has decided that this isn't a good use of funds. I'm sorry, we're actually buying digital dogs that can live forever with the money. If you had more tokens, you would have more votes, but you don't. So the dog has to die. Once again, capitalism speed run. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this article, the author repeatedly refers to what he witnesses 
or what uh, what they witnessed as um, uh, capitalism as community. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, it seems like a gathering of like-minded individuals, but it's, it's all entirely driven by like commerce, like there's and no, greed, yeah. <laughs> straight up greed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like it was a fun week in New York City for people who still believe in the blockchain. But there's, of course, an ever-increasing amount of people whose experience with the blockchain has been very negative and resulted in substantial losses, either due to foolish investing decisions or just falling for outright scams. Uh, the BBC recently reported on one such person who fair- <laughs> fell for that old wallet inspector trick and decided to recoup his losses by doing a little bit of armed robbery. Here you go. A husband-to-be tried to rob a shop with a gun when he lost money saved for his wedding in a cryptocurrency con. Student Lewis Crosby, 25, naively converted his savings into digital cash before he was scammed, a court heard. On the 27th of November, shortly after learning the money had gone, he went to a shop in Sunderland and demanded cash but was foiled when staff fought back. Crosby of Portobello Road was jailed for two years after admitting attempted robbery and possessing a firearm. The sentence was suspended for two years by a judge who said Crosby was plunged into a crisis by the cryptocurrency disaster. It continues. Newcastle Crown Court heard Crosby walked into the premier shop on St. Luke's Road at about 2250 GMT and told staff, give me the money or have a gun. The store owner and worker put up an astonishing fight, knocked the weapon out of Crosby's hand and detained him until the police arrived. (laughs) Pathetic. The worker approached Crosby despite the gun being pointed at him, the court heard. Shop worker grabbed at the gun, an unloaded air pistol, and managed to knock it out of Crosby's hand, who then tried to escape. When arrested, Crosby claimed it was a joke, (laughs) the court heard. Crosby was an undergraduate who was due to marry a Singaporean national he had met online. Nicholas Lane, defending, said he had somewhat naively invested his savings he needed for a wedding dowry and for his rent into cryptocurrency, and he himself had been scammed. In clearly a moment when he wasn't thinking straight, he took up an air pistol, which he had bought off the internet and committed this offense. Clearly my client is insane. Come on, Judge, he's pathetic. Anything you do to him is just, you know. His life's already shit. Yeah. Come on. He doesn't have the dowry. No dowry. His his apes are gone. No maidens. And the apes are gone. He's maidenless. <laughs> so obviously it is sad that this guy lost all of his money and felt so desperate that he he tried and then failed to turn to crime. But it sounds like even if he didn't get ripped off in, in crypto, he might have still gotten ripped off later. Unless the Singaporean fiance that he met online was in fact real and not a romance scam, which... Could also be true. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a little red flag there that they they kind of just gloss over. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the crypto scam and his fiance were connected in some I way. I wonder what the crossover. What's the Venn diagram of uh, people who fall for crypto scams and people who fall for romance scams? Got to be a lot. A lot of people fleeing Thailand right now to come back to the United States. I spent it all, and it's all gone. <laughs> Uh, anyways, this incident happened way back in November when crypto was still doing great. And now that crypto is tanking, we'll probably see more desperate actions by people who lost it all on their way to the moon, uh, which is potentially pretty scary, especially here in the U.S. where real guns are readily available and there's no need for air pistols. Uh, it is funny to laugh at when you see the memes that are like, hey, welcome back, Mr. Diamond Hands. How was yeah. life on the moon? Yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of people lost everything. And uh, yeah, it's bad. Uh, I mean, like, and who were they? To, to look at Matt Damon in the eyes and say, no, I'm not brave. It's Matt Damon. He was in all those movies. And he was... He told me to do it. Yeah, he was he egging said I was me gonna, on. I was going to be just like Ferdinand Magellan and Neil Armstrong. <laughs> I want to be in a museum. Anyway, it's, it's also important to note that in the context of cryptocurrency, the term scam 
can mean a lot of things. It can mean anything from obvious trickery, like phishing scams, wallet inspector, mm-hmm. all the way to stuff like rug pulls and pump and dumps, which are, are seen as kind of just sort of the risk of doing business. It's a lottery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with pump and dumps, where a group or an individual heavily promotes and invests in a cryptocurrency to drive up the price before suddenly liquidating their holdings for a profit, leaving everyone else holding the bag, it's often, it's illegal, technically, but it's also, it's very hard to prove. But one cryptocurrency investor who jumped on the 2021 Dogecoin hype train, only to be left holding the bag, is seeking justice with a $258 billion lawsuit aimed at Dogecoin's biggest cheerleader at the time, none other than Elon Musk. Here's Reuters. In a complaint filed in federal court in Manhattan, plaintiff Keith Johnson accused Musk, electric car company Tesla Inc., and space tourism company SpaceX of racketeering for touting Dogecoin and driving up its price, only to then let the price tumble. Musk is CEO of both Tesla and SpaceX. Quote, Defendants were aware since 2019 that Dogecoin had no value, yet promoted Dogecoin to profit from its trading, the complaint said. Musk used his pedestal as world's richest man to operate and manipulate the Dogecoin pyramid scheme for profit, exposure, and amusement. A lawyer for Johnson did not immediately respond to requests for comment on what specific evidence his client has or expects to have that proves Dogecoin is worthless and the defendants ran a pyramid scheme. Johnson is seeking $86 billion in damages, representing the decline in Dogecoin's market value since May 2021, and wants it tripled. Sure. Uh, He also wants to block Musk and his companies from promoting Dogecoin and a judge to declare that trading Dogecoin is gambling under federal and New York law. The complaint said Dogecoin's sell-off began around the time Musk hosted the NBC show Saturday Night Live and playing a fictitious financial expert on a weekend update segment called Dogecoin a hustle. So... From the sound of it, this lawsuit isn't really uh, airtight Mm -hmm. at all. Sounds like it has very little chance of succeeding. Uh, But it is kind of funny that as soon as it was filed, Elon, after a long time not mentioning Dogecoin, he he suddenly uh, came out once again in support of Dogecoin, saying that he supports it because, quote, I just know a lot of people who are not that wealthy who, you know, have encouraged me to buy and support Dogecoin. I'm responding to those people. He has, that's like a... I'm doing it for you. An appearance of guilt, though, at least in some way, I guess. I don't know. Of course, the price of Dogecoin uh, immediately jumped as soon as Elon Musk said that. It's currently going for 20% more than it was just a week ago, Uh, which, if you're Elon Musk, and at this point there's a clear pattern of whenever you mention a certain cryptocurrency, it goes up, uh, you would would hope that he, uh, or you, you wouldn't hope, I don't know. He probably had money in it. Yeah. He probably planned that accordingly. I do like the the, the not feeling bad for people uh, because he can say that they were greedy because every time he talks about it, it's a 20% bump. You should have taken the profits. Yeah. Anything more than that, hey, Come look, on, guys. It's, it's out of my hands. You're getting greedy. So, yeah, it's 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 Dogecoin's up, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope you bought the dip, except <laughs> zooming out. Zooming out, uh, it's still down over 20% from just a month ago, and it's still down 90% from its peak back in May 2021. So... Shame because the zoom out meme doesn't work anymore. They used to say that when it was uh, people were getting scared. But um, no. Also, like at the same time this happened, Elon did the thing that he has repeatedly done now, where he says, "Actually, I'm broke." So yeah, uh, all these factories I built, they're not making any money. They're actually wasting a bunch of money. Uh, Woe is me. Look at my pockets. I can't afford this stupid lawsuit. I'm not liquid. Hell, I can't even afford Twitter. What's that? The board approved it. Fuck. Okay. Well, uh. And we'll get to that. Yeah, we do have more Elon news. But before we get to that, this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Vroom. Sweaty Sack Summer. Is, 
is here, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs that exist. Uh, we've had the honor of testing out these new boxers. Hey, look, they're the softest fabric that I've ever had in any underwear. Uh, it's so breathable, it's like gills for your groin. <laughs> They even trademarked the jewel pouch so that you know it's serious. I mean, it's time for you to invest in those family jewels. Let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping by using our code NEWSDAY at manscaped.com. So let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped logo on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and, uh, you know, it's basically a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. <laughs> this is thanks to their Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below the waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin-safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers <laughs> in other ways with the game-changing boxers. These boxers' features include the jewel pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space lined with perforated performance fabric to keep them well-ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, <laughs> chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach. <laughs> It sounds Imagine nice. it. <laughs> I am. I, it sounds wonderful. The micromodal fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in, and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing. The front fly opening gives easy access and makes bathroom breaks quick and efficient. You can choose from an arrangement of designs and colors, and sizes range from small to triple XL for... For all the guys out there. Yeah, the whole family. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code NEWSDAY at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code NEWSDAY at manscaped.com. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Enjoy this. Okay, back to Elon <laughs> Musk now, though, uh, who still, as of when we're recording this, uh, still doesn't own Twitter. Looks like it's happening, though. Maybe. Probably. Mm -hmm. uh, on Tuesday, Twitter's board officially recommended that shareholders vote to approve the sale. It's a good sign. Last Thursday, Elon appeared at a virtual town hall for Twitter employees to discuss the purchase and also answer their burning questions. His answers weren't exactly definitive about much of anything, though. Um, here's The Verge. Will Twitter's mostly remote workforce be able to continue working from home? Maybe if they're excellent, Musk said, according to Bloomberg's live mm -mm -mm. blog. Mm-mm. But it's much better if you are on location physically, he said, according to the New York Times' Mike Isaac. What sort of content moderation policies will he support? We should allow people to say what they want, he said. But it's important to make Twitter as attractive as possible, Musk said, according to insiders Kaylee Hayes and Hugh Langley. Really, that means not showing people content that they would find offensive, or even, frankly, boring is not good. TikTok does a great job of making sure you're not bored. What should Twitter become? A Chinese-style super app like WeChat, he said? but also entertaining like TikTok, but also payments, and also subscriptions. Somewhere in this hodgepodge of half-baked ideas, Musk said, is the recipe for Twitter to attract 1 billion users, about 770 million more than it has today. Mm, I'm sorry, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not convinced at all. Also, if it, you think any of this is going to happen, I have a humanoid robot to sell you in three, in three months. And a cyber truck that is already off the line yeah. in your driveway. And a semi-truck that is really only powerful enough to haul its own battery pack. And cars that drive themselves. Yes, and a tunnel <laughs> that will get you to work in ten minutes. With no traffic jams. And, and a colony on Mars for you to live out the rest of your days. And a tiny human submarine that can <laughs> rescue children. And a computer in your brain that lets you play video games with your mind. 
and a smoking hot anime goth girlfriend. Not anymore. Exactly. These are all promises that are no longer true. Oh, did you see? Uh, they they seem to have gotten to the bottom of why Elon Musk is uh, seems to have such a such a problem with the uh, trans community. Uh, turns out, in addition to uh, Grimes, uh, apparently currently dating uh, Chelsea Manning, uh, also uh, one of Elon's kids, uh, not only uh, filed for a uh, gender swap name change officially with the government, but in the criteria or like reasons for it said i hate my father i don't want his last name i I don't want to associate with him so yeah uh also uh pretty uh damning evidence of his abilities as a father uh yeah no he's like notoriously uh a deadbeat dad his uh his first wife uh wrote i think she wrote a whole book but she wrote a pretty famous article like 10 years ago about like how and this is like before Elon was even that big, but it was like about how she was his starter wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, once yeah. he got those hair plugs, it was all over for that relationship. All over. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, I'm back on the market. Yeah. Got hair now. I might even try growing a goatee, which, which he did about 10 years ago, and it did not work. It, if, I haven't seen the picture, but I'm sure he looks like uh, the British office, uh, Michael Scott. Uh, way patchier. Okay. All right. Anyway, some other big ideas that Musk talked about at this meeting include making subscriptions and payments a much bigger part of the platform and maybe charging people money to be verified. (laughs) Great idea. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe adding some sort of, literally adding an irony tag to posts so people know if they're not meant to be taken seriously. (laughs) Everyone Uh, would just immediately, especially politicians, just turn that to the always on uh, position. Yeah. You don't understand. Clearly, the tweet is marked as satire. So yeah, these ideas, all of them, they are uh, bad ideas. The more specific, the worse they are. But even in their like vaguest uh, possible sense, they're all bad. It's like Twitter will be more successful if we just do what these other companies do. It's like you you don't think fucking Facebook has been trying to like copy TikTok for like the last four years and failing miserably. Well, yeah, Facebook (laughs) at this point realizes that they're they're done unless they actually build a real metaverse. Yeah. So (laughs) they're even giving giving up on the whole posting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what he described up there about like content moderation, um, it's literally, it's, he's describing the kind of so-called shadow banning that his fellow conservatives lose their mind over and which is already a thing on Twitter. If you repeatedly post toxic shit, the algorithm is going to bump your shit down. Yeah, that's like under a hidden comments thing or yeah. load more tweets or whatever. Yeah, uh, and so he's literally describing exactly that. But I guess when he does it, it's cool and not no, an attack shadow, on free speech. Shadow banning plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, his desire to make Twitter more like TikTok. Again, super vague, but uh, he, in a few other quotes of his, he seems to really like TikTok uh, for its algorithm, which is, is, it is TikTok's greatest strength, as you were always seeing exciting content. But Mm -hmm. if you implement that on Twitter, that would result in your timeline being just even more filled than it currently is with algorithmically chosen top tweets instead of the people you're actually on Twitter to follow, which sounds fucking terrible. I'm sorry. I don't want that. I could definitely see like a, uh, I mean, I don't use it for anything other than our show account, but like I could see a videos tab that actually has a thing that are popular videos from throughout the day or something like that. That maybe, but like... Look, I'm just spitballing ideas, which is exactly what Elon. They already have this, like, they're already kind of copying the TikTok algorithm. Like, my, you know, every, like, fifth tweet is someone you're not following. It's something that's not being shown to you because someone you're following retweeted it or liked it. It's like a topic. It's just like, yeah, yeah. topic, like, 
viral tweets, and it's always just some stupid bullshit. Like, true. And y'all remember when the teacher used to wheel this thing out? <laughs> it's like shit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like low hanging fruit that for some reason gets like fifty thousand retweets. And like, if I wanted this, I would follow this person. But I have specifically chosen to only follow. Doomers. It should be a separate thing. It shouldn't be on your actual timeline. Yeah. There's a video thing, then you go watch a, your videos. Uh, a for you page, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Casey Newton of The Verge spoke to several Twitter employees after the meeting to gauge their feelings on, on how it went. And it sounds like the sentiment was mostly negative, with Newton writing, the people I spoke with know what it takes to run Twitter, having done so themselves for many years. And it was jarring, they said, to hear someone speak with so much confidence about a company that, at best, Musk is only beginning to understand. Elon has also indicated that he's probably going to cut a lot of jobs at Twitter, which is great news for the employees who keep their jobs and are then in charge of implementing vague ideas like transforming Twitter into WeChat and TikTok while completely understaffed. Yeah. Do more with less. It's going to go great. It's the American way. And when it doesn't work out, well, whose fault is that? Yours. You just didn't believe enough. Yeah, yeah. It's like when the scientists freaked out about the claims Elon was making on stage during a Neuralink yeah. uh, demonstration. <laughs> oh, that... No! Yeah. Neuralink's like the funniest Elon company because it's like literally doing getting into like medical devices where you have to be extremely careful about like the language you use. Yeah. Um, and he, he, Elon is incapable of like tempering his speech. So he's just going up there like making promises that the people actually working on the product are like, uh, no, we said offhand one time that that might be possible 20 this years This is going to happen with Twitter now. Yeah. That's what happens with all those companies. Like, like, like we listed earlier, the man is really, really good at making promises uh, for things that he personally doesn't really have to do anything for. He just tells his people to go do it, mm-hmm. make it happen, which is famously, that's the Steve Jobs method. But Steve Jobs was a very uh, particular case where... It worked out, uh, and everyone took the lesson that I need to be like Steve Jobs from that, where it's like, no, most people are, it's just not going to work. And, like, also focused on one company and yeah. uh, specifically one streamlining company and a, a pretty, bunch of, yeah. yeah, a very, like, an intentionally limited pool of products. Yes. We are streamlining everything where, and making it great. Yeah, Apple, like, any release cycle, they're releasing, like, one or two products. Time. Elon is trying to do literally like 15 things at one time and do and and literally have each one be so groundbreakingly technologically yeah. advanced that it at any other point each one of those things would rock the world. Right. But because he spread himself so thin and because he's like overpromising and underdelivering. Yeah. Um it's all just it's a, it's just a whole cornucopia of mediocrity. Yes. But speaking of Elon Musk making staff cuts, um There was recently a little bit of a scandal over at another company that he runs, the space one, SpaceX. Uh, Turns out a lot of the people over there who just want to build rockets and advance the field of space exploration don't exactly love that their work is closely associated with an extremely controversial figure who is completely incapable of shutting the fuck up. So some employees recently posted an open letter to SpaceX's internal messaging system, which um, The Verge sums it up here. The letter, reviewed by The Verge, describes how Musk's actions and the recent allegations of sexual harassment against him are negatively affecting SpaceX's reputation. The document claims that employees across the spectra of gender, ethnicity, seniority, and technical roles have collaborated on writing the letter. Uh, It's not known which SpaceX employees wrote the letter. The employees who posted the letter in the internal chat system have not responded to requests for comment. Quote, Elon's behavior in the public sphere is a frequent source of distraction and embarrassment for us, particularly in recent weeks, the letter states. As our CEO and most prominent spokesperson, Elon is seen as the face of SpaceX. 
Every tweet that Elon sends is a de facto public statement by the company. It is critical to make clear to our teams and to our potential talent pool that his messaging does not reflect our work, our mission, or our values. It continues, Musk has been doing a lot recently, and his presence on Twitter can be particularly crass. In April, he shared an image of Bill Gates and an emoji of a pregnant man captioned with, in case you need to lose a boner fast. <laughs> Last year, he also responded to a tweet about Jeff Bezos' aerospace company Blue Origin saying, can't get it up to orbit, lol. Musk is also currently attempting to buy Twitter. Shared on Wednesday in an internal SpaceX Microsoft Teams channel with more than 2,600 employees, the letter argues that the company is not living up to its off-stated no-asshole policy and its zero-tolerance sexual harassment policy. The document goes on to suggest three different action items to address the situation. SpaceX should publicly address and condemn Elon's harmful Twitter behavior. The company should hold all leadership equally accountable for bad behavior. And SpaceX needs to clearly define what exactly is intended by SpaceX's no asshole and zero tolerance policies and enforce them consistently. And this is like a clear example of how bad it's gotten there, at least public facing, because to put your job potentially on the line like this and have a bunch of people come together to do it is a pretty bold statement. And it's like, these are like in theory, rocket scientists who just want to put their head down and yeah. work on stuff. And they're probably going home or like out to the bar with their SpaceX polos on. Oh, so you like, work for Elon? Hey, what's up with Elon? Like, it's got to be yeah. completely annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's unclear how many SpaceX employees actually signed the letter. But unsurprisingly, the same day The Verge published the letter, SpaceX went ahead and fired at least five employees involved in drafting the letter, which is shitty. But SpaceX, it's a private company. And the First Amendment, it doesn't apply within a private company. No. I mean, it would be insane and stupid if anyone were to seriously expect a private company to just allow unfettered free speech. Yeah. You'd have to be a real moron to actually believe something so silly. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. A private company. You think you can just say whatever you want? You think they don't have the right to uh, act? You think a bunch of tweeters are going to come together and collaborate on a letter and I won't shadow ban them 2.0? Yeah. Okay, but actually, it does. It turns out that the U.S. government does have some limited free speech protections in place for employees, particularly when the speech is about working conditions. And firing those employees specifically because of this letter might actually qualify as retaliation and might open up SpaceX to a serious legal challenge. So stay tuned for that. This Elon guy sure knows how to get himself sued. It's his favorite thing, getting sued and, for all sorts of different things. And sure knows how to keep himself in the news because there's... It's just insane. Every day is some like, yeah. He's 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 Donald Trump of technology. Yeah, it's I've never been so happy that the U.S. requires um, you to be born in the country. Oh, he would run for president. Yeah, like, yeah, like he that. would, but he can't. Thank no. God. Not yet. Loopholes to come. I know the Supreme Court's just like making shit up, so maybe they'll change that. Oh, you guys <laughs> wanted gun regulation. Oh, well, how about we make it so everyone in New York City can carry a gun on the street? Yeah. Well, what's the worst <laughs> that could happen? <laughs> Let's do the opposite of whatever anyone's talking well, about. I'm getting a message from the ghost of Thomas Jefferson. He says, actually, uh, if you're from South Africa, you can run for president. Okay. There it is. There's your laws. Yeah. What a great democracy we live in, where the people get to choose how things run. Well, if Elon knows how to protect his family jewels, he can use our promo code. Anyways, one last story for you today that has nothing to do with NFTs or Elon Musk. Let's talk about Amazon, a company that is smart enough to be super evil all the time, but mostly not have its executives embarrass themselves all over social media. It's a good balance. 
Um, they recently held their annual RE-MARS conference, which stands for Machine Learning, Automation, Robotics, Space. And uh, one of the presentations was seemingly unintentionally one of the most unsettling and dystopian things that we've seen, a major tech company pitch as a product. It's cliche at this point to say something is straight out of Black Mirror, but it's an apt description. Here's Engadget. At Amazon's ReMars conference, Alexa's senior vice president, Rohit Prasad, exhibited a startling new voice assistant capability, the supposed ability to mimic voices. So far, there's no timeline whatsoever as to when or if this feature will be released to the public. Stranger still, Amazon framed this copycatting ability as a way to commemorate lost loved ones. It played a demonstration video in which Alexa read to a child in the voice of his recently deceased grandmother. Prasad stressed that the company was seeking ways to make AI as personal as possible. Quote, while AI can't eliminate that pain of loss, he said, it can definitely make the memories last. An Amazon spokesperson told Engadget that the new skill can create a synthetic voice print after being trained on as little as a minute of audio of the individual it's supposed to be replicating. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. No. No. First off, voice synthesis is not a new idea. Adobe famously showed off a voice synthesis product they were working on several years ago, and the way it was able to take just a small sample of someone's voice and then have it say whatever the user typed, it was so unsettling that <laughs> Adobe hasn't even mentioned it since. Yeah. Let's forget about that. Uh, <laughs> it's the sort of technology that has a huge potential for abuse, and voice cloning software has, in fact, already been used in several major crimes. So imagine starting from there and then adding the idea of having the voice of a dead relative read bedtime stories. Not uh, something I think is uh, is good. I don't look forward to this. I'm at all. not a fan of this at all. I don't like it. Like they could have pitched it in any number of ways, but like the resurrecting the necromancing aspect, like, come on. Yeah, it'll uh, also you know depending on what like a parent wants. To say to their child through their dead yeah. grandmother, like, you could alter actual real memories of yeah. the dead by letting the AI take on a personality that uh, didn't belong to that person. Yeah. We've covered other stories like this, like people making chatbots of dead people. It's it's like, God. I, I mean, like, grief is, uh, it's hard. It's, yeah. But it's not healthy. It is not I think healthy. It's, it feels like it's prolonging the grief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a way to not, like, never reach the stage of acceptance in the grieving process. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, that's uh, our show. Uh, uh, we left you with uh, something really yeah. uplifting to think about. Yeah. You know? um, um, yeah. Go talk to your lawyer and tell him to put in your will that you do not want your voice to be cloned by a uh, voice assistant when you're gone. Uh you know, in, in good tech news, I, I did hit up Dolly again, which is now on its new. It's on a new site called. Uh, it's the same company. They redirect to it. Mm. It's called Crayon. So AI, Cray AI on. Ah, yes. Uh, I I did a good one, but it was a little too uh, explicit to post. But it was a uh, Abe Vigoda bikini contest. Oh no. So, imagine that, or just go type it in. No, nah, I won't do either of those things. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, 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 and I also did Alex Jones hosts Blues Clues. Oh, that's funny. And that was intense too. Um, but yeah, we have two other videos for you to watch over here. Uh, our video from earlier th this week, we do a kind of a recap of the, the uh, House committee meetings that are happening about January 6th. It's getting wild. Uh, and they arrested a dog. A puppet dog, but a dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we interviewed a songwriter, comedian... Uh, Webby Award winner. Webby Award winner, president of Halloween, Nick Lutzko. Yeah. And it was a, a great little chat. Yeah, so check out the interview and the most recent episode, and we'll be back for News Dump. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.